AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Welcome to the All This Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at All This International. In today's podcast, as part of our AI in Action series, I'm speaking with Knocker Hyens. Knocker is the Head of Data Science and Business Intelligence at Sender. Knocker, it's great to have you on the show today. Hello, Mark. Great to be there. Thanks for having me. Knocker, before we get started, can you provide an overview about yourself and how you got into the world of machine learning and AI? I kind of always had a big interest in, in modeling. So at university, I was specializing in, in systems modeling and dynamics and control theory. Did my PhD in that and had a, a consultancy company where we worked on problems like that. Very interesting. But then seven or eight years ago, the hype engine of the ML train started to make some noise. So I had a look at that and realized this is a super awesome tool set to complement my, my regular modeling tool set. So I jumped on board and that's uh, have ever been since. Tell me a little bit more about your experience and passions for technology. This whole modeling thing has been, been something which interests me since I had been a kid and uh, I've, I've never grown tired of it ever, to be honest. So this whole trying to make sense of something, trying to define objects, interactions, their rules, relationships, right? And then setting it up in some place and pulling some string and seeing what happens, that, that has always been, always been an endeavor I always uh, liked. Now, the interesting thing about this is that there's this famous saying of George Box that all models are wrong, but some are useless. So this is a, a nice duality between finding something this is pre, what is precise and which you think could describe your system, right, and something that's actually useful. And that moment when, you, when you've done, done everything by the book and you've, you've modeled your system, you've got those equations on paper, you, you designed your controller and you know exactly what this thing is going to supposed to do, right? And then you flip the switch and it actually does this thing. This is, this is such a magic moment for me each time it happens because, I mean, it, it's so unbelievable to me that the things you have on paper are actually related to something that actually happens in reality. Thanks, Knocker. So my next question, I'd like to hear about your experience applying AI and innovation to companies you've been involved in. And then you can give us a little bit of an overview about Sender. And for people who don't know about the company, a little bit about the work that you're doing in digital freight forwarding in Europe. Let, let me preface it by saying that I always have been in a very, very lucky situation because I always had very small, clear-cut team with clear goals, clear interfaces. So it was always a a very fast moving work on greenfield building things that have not been there. Right? So I have rather little experience in big companies with a static system. So that, that is kind of uh, influencing how, how I see things there. Now at Sender, the situation is uh, pretty similar. Sender is a digital freight forwarder, which means it sits between shippers and carriers. Now shippers are those who, um, who have something to ship, who have a load, right? And carriers are those who have trucks. Now, the interesting thing here is that shippers are few and large. Think uh, Coca-Cola, Amazon, Volkswagen, yeah? those, those big companies. 
But carriers, they are usually family-run companies with 10 to 50 trucks or something, right? So what we do and what, what a lot of freight forwarders do is we do the risk and the size transformation. Yeah? Now, the business is super traditional and uh, everything is done with phone calls, with fax machines and all that. So there's a super huge opportunity in bringing this to the digital age. And that's what we are doing, right? We've been doing this quite successfully so far. We've got an awesome growth story. We just uh, raised Series D funding. Um, we have merged with Everroad in the past year, competitor from France. We have bought Uber Freight, Uber Freight Europe, of course. So it, it seems to work out. Our, our business has uh, some core challenges, and those are the core challenges which we try to address with our automation slash ML stuff. The two core challenges are first that um, given that the, the business is so interaction heavy, your total cost or your expenses, they kind of scale with your business growth. So what you want is to have tools that uh, make you more efficient as your business grows. So that's the one thing. The next thing is that if the number of loads grows and the number of carriers grows, so you grow your business on both sides, the combination of those grows quadratically. Now this becomes a problem very soon because if you just show, for example, every open load to a different carrier who is interested, well, he's not going to sift through 2,000 open loads to find the one which suits him, right? So we have to also um, kind of um, control the search space complexity there. And how we do this with ML is twofold. So first, we supply price estimates and an automated order flow where you can just go and click on buy it now button like you'd find it on eBay, right? So this is the part where we support ops with the tools that increase the efficiency. And the part where we address the search space complexity is that we have classical recommender systems which match carriers to loads. So that if a carrier comes to our website, he gets 10 suitable loads instead of 2,000 random loads. Nucker, there's some huge opportunities and it's a really, really exciting time after you've got your big series at D round and the growth opportunities you know, are fascinating to see. And you, mm. you highlight some really interesting points in terms of the opp opportunity for digital transformation across a very, very traditional business model. Tell us a little bit more detail as well, some of the challenges that you see to applying companies, applying AI to companies and reality of the ever, mm. ever achieving the hype cycle. Yeah, that's a super interesting question. And I think ironically, the biggest challenge you're facing with machine learning is uh, doesn't even require a machine learning engineer. So I see two big challenges in the field. The first is getting the data. The second is getting stakeholder support on getting the data. If you do not gather enough data or if you are, are not the owner of the data gathering, you are at the mercy of someone else's roadmap. And that's a very bad positioning. And if you look at uh, the past years of the super successful business models, like Google, Facebook, Amazon, and so on and so on, as tricky it is to compare to them, what they all have in common is that at their very core, they build data gathering machines. So the Google search engine, as convenient as it is for us, actually is just an ad serving machine and a data gathering machine. The Android system that Google is supporting, well, it's primarily it's a platform to sell stuff and a platform to, to gather data. So that is the first thing where you have to go. So if you're a company that just uh, puts down a, a data science team, pushes it over in the corner and never talk about data gathering again, then 
this is not going to work. And the second big thing, and I think this is even the, the bigger one, is um, getting your stakeholders buy-in. Now, this is super tricky for several reasons. One of them is, for example, that the stakeholders, they might talk a totally different language than you, right? If a data scientist talks about something like error, it means maybe something different than, than uh, what a stakeholder talks about. Then there's stuff like um, uh, resistance to outside agency. There's fears of being automated away, right? There's, there's newspaper articles every day about how machine learning is going to kill your job and stuff like that. And there's also something along the political hierarchy, power plays, right? So there's, there's lots and lots of things. There's a super complex, highly tricky landscape to maneuver and getting everyone on board so that everyone pulls in the same direction because making your company use ML is not something that an ML engineer can do. It's, it's uh, something that everyone has to participate in is, uh, is as much a communication effort as it is a technical effort, I'd say. The real challenge because people get into the habit of it's always been done this way. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want, want to change. And people talk about change, but they don't necessarily want to do too much change in a short period of time. And when you look at the amount of projects that actually make it into production, depending on who you talk to, I think the Gartner research recently said as low as 13%. That is mm -hmm. a lot of morale that can be wavering because people are time poor and if they're not seeing results on work that they're actually giving as discretionary effort, you're gonna, you're gonna lose the hearts and minds of people and the CEO and senior tech leaders need to be very, very strong. And it really comes down to working on the right projects and looking at the right problems that you actually want to solve. Absolutely, fully agree. So do you see, and an awful lot has been talked about this, is deep learning the future of AI? Well, I would say uh, yes and no, because um, I mean, deep learning has had some awesome successes. Right? So if you look at language models, if you look at um, image recognition, it, it's working awesomely. However, you can see certain limitations already. And those limitations are such that I it think it's unlikely that deep learning will be the majority of methods applied in the future or the majority of business revenue or whatever. It's got just going to be one of, of several things. And why do I think so? Well, first of all, is this, there's a scaling issue. If you look at uh, what deep learning models these days can do, it's quite nice, but uh, each new model only brings a marginal improvement on that. However, each new model becomes exponentially more powerful so it means it, it consumes exp exponentially more energy, needs more machines and all that and all that, right? And, and costs are going up and up and up to train them. There was, I think it was an MIT paper on which estimated how much larger models should be to reach human performance in that given uh, niche. And for some of the common models, they found a factor of 1,000 to 10,000 times larger. Now, those models already cost tens of millions to train. Yeah. Do, do, do we really want to foot the bill tens of billions, hundreds of billions to train a model which is just a bit better at serving ads? Given cli that climate change is also a thing we have to consider at some point, does the society want to support this type of models? Is it sensible to have this type of models? So that's, that's I think, one of the core blockers. Now, the next blocker is that um, those models, they just have not the slightest clue what they're talking about. They're just statistical analogy 
pattern machines. That means they see something, then they assume something. So it's monkey see, monkey do, right? Just like in this Pavlov experiment where the bell rings and then uh, the, the dog's mouth gets uh, all watery. That means they do not have any option to, to do counterfactual reasoning, to, to imagine a world as if. And they, they, they can't run active experiments, change the world and see what happens, right? It's, they are just dependent on what patterns they have seen in the data. So if you look, for example, at uh, this, uh, those language models which are able to write texts, some of those texts are so horribly wrong and show that there's not the slightest bit of intelligence or understanding in there. For example, there's, uh, um, you give them a sentence which uh, starts with someone drinking uh, grape juice and let it autocomplete. And what's the result? Well, the grape juice kills the person because the text before that somewhat, was somewhat similar to a mystery novel or something, right? So the machine assumed that this drinking was, was something poisonous. Well, obviously it doesn't make, doesn't make sense because grape juice usually doesn't kill you. So that's, that's the second big thing. The, the third big thing is somewhat related to that. There's the saying garbage in, garbage out, which means that for, let's take for example, language models, the statistical pattern machine is replicating any bias it finds in the data. And if you look at our, for example, our Western literature and internet, <laughs> you have to admit there is a certain bias towards certain groups in our literature and in our internet, right? So for example, um, women are more likely to be associated with the kitchen stuff by those language models. And there are certain uh, groups in society which are more likely to be associated with negative traits like laziness or, or committing crimes. And that definitely isn't something you want to have in our society. Eh? That, that's not the type of model you want to have. However, by the very nature of how these models are set up, you can't avoid that. You've raised some really, really good points because sometimes when you see the results from deep learning shared, what they don't share is the costings to generate these results. And they also don't share the impact on the environment of the work that's done. Also, how long it takes for these models to run, the energy. So, so you, you do have to take that into consideration. And when I talk to quite a few companies, they say is that, Mark, yes, we can generate results. However, the cost to generate these results, it isn't sustainable for a company to actually do that. And there are things that you need to think about uh, when you're actually talking about some of these uh, these applications as, as well. But it, it, it is a very exciting area for the future, but you do need to take those caveats. And I think those three points you've mentioned are very, very important to talk about. You've been listening to the Aldous podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. In today's podcast, as part of our AI in Action series, I've been speaking with Nocker Hines. Nocker is the head of data science and business intelligence at Sender. Nocker, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldous International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldous offer an exec search program. Aldous can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldous advantage. Become a member of the Aldous community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. 
Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. That's www.aldis.com. Aldis International, empowering through AI.